Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange, episode 127. Justin and Chris back with you for another one. This week's, we hit Faith No More's The Real Thing, going back to 1989. Something I never really thought we would talk about, just because it wasn't on my radar um, very much. But then uh, inspiration comes from the damnedest of places. How are you, my friend? I am oftentimes inspired when I'm at a fast food restaurant, so yeah, I got it. It, it sometimes, sometimes it just hits you at the right spot at the right time. Um, God, man, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I, I could not keep up with the amount of new singles that have dropped over the last week or so. I'm sure we'll mention some of them, discuss some of them as well. But like, I think everyone is gearing up for 2023 and all the releases that are coming out in the first quarter or even the first two quarters of 2023 and it's just coming out fast and furiously um interesting uh a lot of cool stuff that i heard but at the same time it's just been like one after the other and it's almost hard to keep up i, I don't know that i listened to many full albums this week because i found myself listening to singles when i wasn't listening to this or streets for next week's episode yeah a lot of uh a lot of stuff from bands that we didn't really hear from in 2022 or kind of uh sneaking in on the back end of the year, getting ready for next year. Um, you know, I know we've mentioned, uh, you know, Beyond the Black and Ad Infinitum. Um, and uh, there was a, a third band I was excited about has an album coming out early next year that I'm blanking on. Oh, Delane. Um, and now it seems like, uh, I guess I'll just start off um Haken's got a new single, The Alphabet of Me, which I'm literally listening to right now for the first <laughs> time, and uh, brought to our attention by uh, uh, Dave in the Metal Exchanges group. Um, yeah, it was uh, not a heavy song, but still, like, you know, it's Haken. It's, uh, it, it, it kind of was that um, almost leprosy kind of... Uh, leprosy probably isn't a great way to just describe it. <laughs> Leprous-like... Uh, kind of like really um, eerie kind of like slow intro, but then it kind of picks up with that like proggy, that kind of like, uh, like, I don't know, like just kind of a jammy kind of proggy kind of uh Haken style. It was, it was good. I, I they're a band I always tend to enjoy um, a, a song. I've not had a chance to hear yet because I literally found out about it this morning. Uh, Redemption has a new single called I am the storm. Um, I do not know if this is attached to a album that will be coming out next year. Cause it's just, it was just released as a single. Um, the Haken single, um, is actually attached to an album called Fauna, which is going to be coming out next year. Um, I haven't heard the redemption song yet. I just turned it on just now just to give it a quick listen. Um, I- I'll admit I'm a little less excited about redemption since, um, 
Ray Alder left. Um, no, no disrespect to Tom England. I just love Ray Alder so much. And he, to me, was like the voice of redemption and obviously the voice of fate's warning. So it's weird for me, uh, with him not being in the band, but I, I'm still, I'll still listen to it for sure. And, uh, I guess, uh, to cap off the, uh, the three, the three, uh, the trios, um, Twilight Force has a new album called At the Heart of Wintervale coming out uh, next year. And they um, there was already a, uh, a single released called Twilight Force. Um, and then they just dropped another one called Sunlight Night. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, I feel like they're really hitting their stride now with Alessio Conti as uh, their vocalist from uh, Trick or Treat fame and Luca Turilli's Rhapsody. Um, I feel like he kind of like fit in like a glove with that band. It was a really good choice to, uh, to replace their previous, um, vocalist. Uh, I was a uh, Christian something or other. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, you had, uh, brought to my attention. There's a a new band called all my shadows. That sounds a lot, a lot like another band we've heard. Yeah. It's, it's, um, kind of ironic because when you, when you hear about a solo album or a side project, um, usually you think you're going off in a little bit of a direction that might be different from maybe the band you've been a part of for the better part of 30 years here. Um, some of the folks from Vandenplas decided to make music that sounds an awful lot like Vandenplas. Now, <laughs> that's not a bad thing. I am a huge, huge Vandenplas fan. And I was thinking back, I can't believe we haven't done a Vandenplas album. But uh, putting that aside, this song silent waters from all my shadows it's going to be out on frontiers um next year uh features uh, uh, like i said stefan lill and andy kunz from vandenplas and boy if it doesn't sound like vandenplas it i mean it's very good it just sounds like stuff that you've heard before i'm, I'm curious i'd love to know why they kind of broke off and are doing this little side piece when they probably could have used or formulated this song with some of the other guys from the band and put it on a you know a Vanden Plus release, but good stuff, very 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 good listen. Um, that was one of the first things that caught my eye this week. Another was the first single that we've gotten from progressive metal band Nay Ablovskaris from Australia. I didn't even know that these guys were a band anymore, and then all of a sudden they dropped the single, and like only they do, when they drop a single, it's twelve and a half minutes. So. <laughs> Lots to digest there. More of, a, more of a double or a triple, if you will. Yeah, it's it's if we're going back to the five guys reference, this is definitely a lot of meat on, on a lot of meat on the bone here. Um, no question about it. But it's good to have them back. And honestly, um, I, I thought it would be kind of interesting. A new Within Temptation single kind of came out. I don't know that I loved it. Um, it was. I don't know. It, it, there was something about it. it was, they're obviously going for, for a, a poppier sound on the fire within this new single. But if you are a fan of their most recent efforts, I think you're going to like this as well. If you are still longing for the days of Mother Earth Part 2, move on and, and move away fast. Yes, yeah, as, as Pat would say, keep longing. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but, you know, good. just nonetheless, um, lot, lots of new stuff. I'm sure we'll speak about more of this stuff. As, as the albums come out and whatnot, and I'm sure we'll talk about it as we get deeper into 2023 next year. Um, I can tell you now, after listening to it for a couple of minutes, this new Redemption track is really good. So, I, uh, Really? I, yeah, I that's recommend. one of the ones that I have not gotten to yet, so I look forward to it. Yeah, I mean, it's not really anything that you should... Uh... You know that you know you wouldn't expect from them, um, but I mean that's that's a good thing. So um, 
It all, it actually kind of even reminds me of um, the uh, the newer um, what do you call it uh, Evergrey, where it, it's a little bit more upbeat and crunchy and and a little less uh, a little less morose, if you will. I am eagerly awaiting your top twenty five list just to see if an Evergrey album cracks the top twenty five. I think I've been more excited to know about that than anything else. I'll on say list. I'll say this if. If I can get my list up to fifty, there's a pretty good chance you're going to see it. Um, if uh, if it's twenty five, which it very well may be, because I'm having a, a hard time with the glut of seven and seven point fives that came out this year, um, it might be borderline. So uh, right. we'll see. I'm still I'm still working my way through. It's it's unbelievable. I feel like I don't know why, but I feel like there's more. I think I got more albums this year than last year, but last year I feel like the quality was a bit higher. Um, so I, I, don't I agree. Know. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be a slog for the both of us in that respect, but um, you know, like give it another listen. Maybe it, maybe it cracks, uh, you know, 25, 24. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to see w- if, if it makes the list at the end of the day, if not, sounds like it could be an honorable mention. Yeah. I, I, I will say that it, it's probably my, favorite ever gray album thus far um i just feel like oddly enough i just feel like each album grabs me a little bit more than the last one and and i think it's just because they're just there seems to be just more energy um in their in their songs and it just that's what i'm looking for is just i don't I, i it's hard to get me on board with the the kind of dreary prog um which i think that they kind of leaned towards in the earlier years did you have a chance to check out the new catatonia single because speaking of something that's slightly different from a band that's not very upbeat i thought it was an interesting listen i remember mentioning it to you last week i don't know if you had a chance to listen to it um i'm putting it on right now just to jog my memory i don't think i've listened to it yet but i could already tell that (laughs) it's it's something that's going to be i mean like i said i really like the previous single uh this new one austerity um i think this is even better yeah i think this is i I think this this album might be a surprise for me next year i'm looking forward to uh hearing that the whole thing um and i didn't even know about the within temptation song i just uh grab that because i think they had said it was an older song that just hadn't gotten released so i just or it was released on a single, so I thought I might have had it, but I guess I didn't. So I just grabbed it, and <coughs> I'm not expecting anything out of the ordinary there. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's definitely definitely worthy of a listen. Um, but let's let's transition over to today's album or the album of the week. Faith No More is the real thing, and as I said, inspiration comes from weird places. I heard this. Um, over lunch, and I said to myself, this would be an interesting album to talk about because it's a band that has, to this day, has heavy airplay for a couple of their songs, but a lot of their material is kind of off the beaten path and blending of genres. Um, I'm not going to um, reinvent the wheel here. I'm actually going to read something from Wikipedia just because I think it hits the nail on the head so well. This band is a com- basically combining, quote, thrash metal, funk, hip-hop, rap metal, prog rock, synth-pop, carousel music, and hard rock, along with what has been described as a black sense of humor. I, I 
couldn't describe it any better myself. I think they've hit all the nails on the head here. Other than like a couple of songs, did you have any familiarity with this band? No, everything after the first two tracks was like brand new to me, honestly. Um, You know, believe it or not, the first song that I was aware of um, was the first song on the album from out of nowhere. And that was, um, man, I'll tell you what, I, uh, I know we bring up slip disc every now and again, which was our, our local, uh, you know, import CD store that we would go to, you know, they used to have these things called physical stores, uh, brick and mortar, mom and pop kind of deals. And, and, uh, you'd walk into the store and you'd buy these things called compact discs, (laughs) <laughs> and you would actually put put them into a machine that would play them. Um, it, it was physical media in a physical store, yourself. in a physical world. It was uh, wild. Uh, hard to believe it was only eight years ago. Oh, wait. No, I'm sorry. The 90s was uh, over 22 years ago. So anyway, now that we feel old and, and crusty, um, <laughs> I, uh, I think we probably have mentioned this before, but um, I remember buying the uh, Halloween single, uh, for lay all your love on me uh, in anticipation of the metal jukebox album. It was the first time I think I ever bought a Japanese imported single and it was like $15 for three songs. Um, And, and so it was uh, the, you know, lay all your love on me was the main track, which was an ABBA cover. Then, uh, then there was a cover from out of nowhere by faith, no more. And then the, um, the one song that didn't make it onto the main album was a cover of the Beatles, uh, uh, something or is that right? Something by uh, the song written by George Harrison. Um, I believe that's right. Yeah, yeah. So um, I used to I used to bring this CD with me, this single on the the bus to school every morning, and it was great because I just listen to the two songs, and then you'd be there because <laughs> because I went to sc- I took a bus to school ten minutes away, um, huh. and I just remember listening to the the from out of nowhere cover by Halloween. Uh, I liked it, I think, even more than the, the ABBA cover. Um, I think it really fit Halloween's style to do a cover of Faith No More. Uh, and that was that was it. I actually didn't hear Epic until I was in college, I think. I think Knopf really? actually brought okay. it to my attention. I just It just completely passed me by. I don't know how. And he Knopf would always rave about it. And then like we listened to it so many times via Power Hour that I think it just became... It was almost like I'd known it the whole time. But in reality, like, I really hadn't listened to it and it really wasn't aware of it until I was in college, which was after the nineties had ended. <laughs> I, I definitely re- remember hearing Epic on the radio, even going back to like alt rock radio in the nineties. I do remember that one song and I guess I had heard from out of nowhere as well. Cause I remember knowing that song when Halloween did the cover, I, I knew those first two tracks and I, I didn't think I knew anything else by the band and I just thought it would be an interesting conversation because they just blend so many styles together that they have been an influence for so many bands that have come after. And I also hear a lot of sounds of some of the contemporary bands that were around, you know, in the late eighties when they were, when they were doing this thing, the band actually goes back to 1979, which is just absolutely bananas. But like they, they, they had been around for 10 years when this, their second album came out. 
And I just thought it would make for, you know, an interesting discussion. This album kind of served as a bit of a change for the band because they had lineup changes after, after that, you know, their prior release. Um, just to kind of go through it, it was longtime drummer Mike Borden on drums, Bill, Bill Gould on bass guitar. They've been with the band since the beginning. Uh, it was, uh, Roddy Bottom on keyboards and, and the keys really do play a, a prominent part of, of the music here. Uh, it was James Martin on guitars and the incomparable, um, Mike Patton on vocals, who is truly, I think, one of a kind and, and an underrated legend, I think at least based on what I was hearing on this disc, because this is some incredible stuff here. Did you know that um, Mike Borden drummed with Ozzy? I had no idea. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's interesting. So, no, no, I had no idea. Did, so they, now that there's, now we can actually connect metal to this uh, album. We're all <laughs> set. We can go. Uh... It's, um, it's interesting. You know, it's, they're a band that still gets talked about today and it's funny because when we posted somewhere that we were going to talk about this album, we actually had a request for Mike Patton's former band, Mr. Bungle, which apparently, and I still have not heard it, but apparently it's even more uh, offbeat and 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 a little more uh, eclectic than this, which is saying something given <laughs> given what this is. Yeah, that would be definitely <laughs> saying something for sure. Um, yeah, I was just kind of uh, I'm just like looking through the the um, the, the band members and seeing. If, you know they had done anything else beyond faith no more and uh it's it, it jim martin um actually was uh has a credit on low man's lyric on metallica's reload and huh. tuesday's gone on metallica's garage inc um so again like weird little connections to the metal world uh from this band who well, I, I guess you could even one. argue that this that faith no more is a metal band um i, I, I think they are it's just they're more of like funk metal or something like that I, i'll give you another one that i i bet you didn't know courtney love was their vocalist for about a year in the in the early 80s definitely didn't know that yeah it's just some some really like interesting stuff <laughs> here and on this album they actually do a cover of um Black Sabbath's uh, War Pigs, which is actually a really good cover and kind of an interesting little sidebar considering the Aussie connection. I guess it all comes full circle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I'm going to actually like kind of bury the lead here a little bit. And, and, and you know, this this album got rave reviews when it came out in 1989. Kerrang! Magazine actually had it as the number one album of the year. So obviously the the, the press kind of gravitated towards this, um, which is interesting because in 89, you know, just off the top of my head, it could have been Injustice for All, but they went with, they went with this. And again, if I'm talking about, you know, kind of like a mainstream publication here, but it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting um, mix, as I said. And you're talking about uh, an album that was actually nominated for a Grammy award for best metal performance uh, for the album. And then Epic was nominated for a best hard rock performance just a couple of years later. So and they were South- both beaten out by Jethro Tull. In a, in a real <laughs> upset. Exactly. Uh, along with every other metal band. Um, before we kind of get into the tracks, I'm kind of curious to ask you, did you, did you find that the beginning two tracks were, were a lot easier to digest than some of the stuff on the back end of this album? Or was it a kind of an easy listen for you all the way through? Because every track has a, is so separate and distinct, I think, from, from the tracks that precede it and come after it. It was an interesting listen, to say the least. Yeah, um, 
I mean, it's always easier when you know the songs as well as those first two. Uh, but I, I, I would, I would say that the rest of the album was not a slog at all. Like it was really fascinating just because, um, every song just really did have its own kind of flavor. It was almost like listening to different bands there, you know, I, I can't wait to like compare one of the songs to something we've talked about recently, but I'll wait till we talk about it. But, um, I really just in more of a, a general term, um, the, one of the things I really liked about this band in general is the, how prominent the keyboards are where a band that they got compared to a lot was Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that. One of the things that kind of set them apart from the Chili Peppers is, is the use of, of keyboards and, um, and more like kind of synthy type stuff. And I don't know if that's just a, a product of this album, but, um, cause I don't, I'm not really familiar with anything beyond this, but, um, that for me is always a draw when you hear a little bit more of that keyboards. And, and of course, like the bass guitar is, a big part of everything. It's so front and center because it's not a funk album unless you have that really prominent and, and just like fast, wild bass playing. And, and that, so those two things I think really kind of drew me in, but I mean, in all honesty, like they, they really cover a lot of musical ground on this album. They do. And on an album with nine tracks, including an instrumental track, five Five of these tracks were released as singles. From Out of Nowhere, Epic, Falling to Pieces, Surprise, You're Dead, and Edge of the World all released as singles here. And I guess it makes sense because the real thing is kind of an epic track that doesn't really lend itself to being a single, although I'll, I'll tell you a story about that when we get to it. Um, and an instrumental track at the end, almost every one of these tracks was was, get, was getting released and kind of put out there. Very interesting, especially for 1989 as the hair metal wave was kind of starting to yield to Nirvana and the Seattle grunge scene. It was well-placed in terms of, I don't know that this album would have hit 1986. And by 1996, I think that they would have kind of missed the boat, but they were really on the cutting edge of that alternative sound around the, you know, around 1990. Um, I'm going to uh, do something that we've never done before, but I think it'll be kind of fun. Um, before we get into the tracks i want i want you to predict what my song of the week is and i will predict what yours will be that would imply that i've actually selected one but no oh, kidding okay. aside, kidding <laughs> aside i do have one i do have one because I, I i made a note to myself um i i i okay I, I'll, I'll just say this it's so easy for me to say to you you're going to choose one of the first two and i'm not and, and that's why i don't think you chose it i think um if I had to guess, I think that you probably chose Zombie Eaters. Okay. And, and I'm mine? gonna guess that you chose the real thing. Okay. Well, let's 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 dive in, shall we? Um <laughs> uh, just to add a little bit more, you know spice, flavor and spice to yeah, what we're doing. Um, exactly. You're cheating because normally you don't pick the song of the week until we actually start talking about it. So you could always change it. <laughs> I really I actually do have one. Uh, picked out ahead of time but that's why that's why i brought it up so it's e it's either that or falling to pieces but I, I i digress this this kicks off with with from out of nowhere we talked about that um again the, the, the prominent keys on this really really catchy tune are front and center and i think that it's a sound that would permeate this entire 
this entire album, but it's needed. I can't imagine this album without those keyboards. I, I was think just was, thinking, like, just this song without the keys would be a, a it would just be a pedestrian best. Yeah, it'd be le- and it'd be just so much l- less interesting. Um, it, the, that that key melody just just takes you right into the song right from the beginning. This is such a great tune. I mean, honestly, it was. Uh, I would have probably like guessed that it would have been my song of the week even before I listened to the rest of the songs. I actually kind of like it a tad more than Epic just because I think it's I've played it out less. Um, at least the the Faith No More version. I've probably listened to the Halloween version of From Out of Nowhere more than both uh, mm-hmm. Faith No More versions of the two songs combined. But um, I really like this song, and I think it's an awesome way to... Uh, to kick off the album. It's just, it's, it's kind of one of the more like just straightforward kind of rock songs on the album. Cause the, it, the album will start to just meander in a good way into all different genres. And this one's just kind of like pretty straightforward and, and definitely um, a very radio friendly tra- track. I can understand why it was chosen as the first single why it was the first single and also the first song on the album, because it kind of sucks you in and then you go along for this ride and and you go into Epic next, which is quite frankly, um, this track still holds up for me. It obviously the, the employing the rap vocals here is just a a real hearkening to the, to the red hot chili peppers and obviously other music that was coming out in the eighties. Um, but those over-the-top bass lines are just absolutely fantastic. The, the chorus is so catchy, and it's like the perfect blend of styles. It's not quite as eclectic as some of the other stuff on the album, but it's certainly not as straightforward as From Out of Nowhere. So it's like you're, you're, you're trending in that direction. And um, believe it or not, there's parts of this song that remind me of Pearl Jam, and I, I can't really understand why, but I hear some Pearl Jam in here, which is kind of cool. And the outro with just the piano, phenomenal. And it's like almost like a nod to Van Halen's Right Now, which I just absolutely adore. This track has a little bit of everything, and I can understand why it blew up as like a super hit. I was surprised it was only the second track on the album. Like, I just feel like, um, I mean, literally they called it epic. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of, I think it would have made for a really good last song. Um, but I mean, yeah, it, it's... This is again. I could totally understand why this was chosen as a single. Um, it's a great music video. There was a whole controversy that uh, Mike Patton dancing around with a shirt off. Um, apparently, Anthony Kiedis thought that he was r- trying to rip him off. <laughs> um, and and I think uh, Mike Patton did an interview and just said like, "Yeah, I guess if dancing with your shirt off is you know copyrighted to Anthony Kiedis, then yes, I, I was ripping him off. Otherwise, I, I don't think. I mean." I, I can't imagine two vocalists that are more different. Um, For bands that have such similarities. Yeah, in many yeah. Ways. It, I mean, he rem- Patton reminds me almost more of like An- Andy Wood from uh, Mother Love Bone, and, which that album probably would have come out right around the same time. Um, so there's and, and a little bit fair, of a tie-in to the Pearl Jam uh, connection. Th- this this band in many ways is like a metalized version of Red Hot Chili Peppers because mm-hmm. even though they have the funk sound with the uh, two phenomenal bass players, they kind of meander more in a, a metal direction, whereas Red Hot Chili Peppers was more grounded in that like, you know, rock, you know, radio rock direction. Yeah, alt which is, rock. Yeah, alt rock thing. So really, really interesting. Uh, obviously, I think it goes without saying a phenomenal way to start off the album. 
And then we get to a slew of tracks that for the most part, I didn't know starting with um, falling to pieces. Again, the funk here is like on full display. I love how it starts with a bass intro, which is something you really don't hear that often, but it goes right into the, you know, the, this kind of groovy drum beat. Um, I, I don't think this song is as catchy as the tracks that precede it, but at the same time, Patton is just shining with his like versatility and his vocals and the way that he lends his voice to this music is just almost a thing of art. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And I think that for an album from 1989, this song in particular, I think holds up very, very well. Yeah. This song like is awesome. I I love this song so much. The, the way that it just starts, like you said, it kicks in with the drums and the bass. And then that, that keyboard, um, that just kind of fades in like a little bit louder, a little bit louder, a little bit louder. And that keyboard theme would, would come back throughout the song. It's so, it's just, it's so catchy. Like everything that's happening is great. The drumming, the bass playing, the keys, the, the vocals. Um, it, 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 it's just a funky, like foot tapping. Um, and it's, and it's just such a, it's such a 1990 kind of vibe. Like you, you hear this song and it just takes you right back to that point in time. I feel like I, I it, it's, it's like a, a, a sign of that time. And so, yeah, this, this actually will be my song of the week. I really, really like this one. And it was the one that I kept really looking forward to, uh, to hearing each time that I went back to, to listen to the album, just like, just complete, like, takes me back to like being like eight, nine, ten years old. Um, so uh, let's give it a listen. Here it is, falling to pieces. It was uh, an excellent choice, and I, I guess I cheated when I picked two songs for you or, or kind of guessed two songs. I, I won't do that going forward, but I, I had a feeling it was one of the two. And I got to be honest, my my preference of the two is, is definitely this one. So good choice. I look forward to listening to it again next week when we, uh, when we have it on our page. Um, in sharp contrast in many ways to Surprise You're Dead, the fourth track, this is a very heavy song with a really heavy riff. And this one, I don't know if there's any influence there, but I hear like Strapping Young Lad. And I almost wonder if Devin Townsend heard this song. Even the name sounds like something Strapping Young Lad would have put out. Um, and a touch of Freak Kitchen as well. Like this, 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 there's a lot going on here. It's a really short track. I think that's a good thing. You're in, you're out. And I just love how about a minute and a half 
into the song is that it starts to actually pick up speed. It's 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 a well written song, and it makes sense in, in in a number of ways because during the release of this album, this band was touring with bands all over the map. Check this out: like during the the touring cycle for the, for this album, uh, Faith No More had toured with Metallica, Billy Idol, Soundgarden, Voivod, Sacred Reich, Forbidden, Primus. Babes in Toyland and Poison. I mean, you want to talk about a motley crew of bands. How about that for a festival? <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I love it. Um, any thoughts on any thought on, on this track? Because, um, you know, it, it's kind of almost a transitional track in a way just because of how fast you're in and you're out. Yeah, it, well, it took me by surprise because the first three songs are pretty melodic. And then, like, this one comes in and it's just, like, really thrashy and, and heavy. And I love the... Um, I don't know if I don't know if you want to call it like rapping or just like fast funky vocals or whatever but um that that kind of like uh back and forth between like um the the like kind of high pitched vocals and then like the almost like screamy kind of not like death metal screamy but just like actual screaming like you know surprise you're dead it almost reminds me of um of uh, what's that song by uh, Pantera, "Fucking Hostile"? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like it's just, just like just like we're just gonna scream out the words. Um, it, I don't know. It's 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 a it's not my favorite track, but I just love that it's something totally different from the first three. Instead of the band just doing like these kind of melodic, you know, like radio friendly type songs one after the other. Like here's one that's just kind of like really jarring and and heavier and and um it shows that the band uh has more up their sleeve as the the album kind of makes its way and it also makes for the fact that we can cover it on the metal exchange because there's you're right this is a thrashy uh metal song in, in many ways and and well placed after those first couple of, of of tracks which are um certainly all different but this is this is going in a completely different direction as does zombie eaters which actually starts with an acoustic guitar and the first time I heard it, I said, oh, this is going to be a ballad. But part of me said, I just didn't think it was going to stay in that direction. And sure enough, um, about two minutes in, this thing takes off like a rocket. It's slow and it's plotting, but it gets very heavy with that fuzzy bass sound and the very heavy guitar riff. Um, another eclectic tune. But what was interesting here is that the clean vocals reminded me of like, Almost something that you'd hear on like a Machine Supremacy album, which I know I'm throwing in some weird, you know, bands here. <laughs> and then it's like he he sounds like like uh, Patton sounds like it's a Machine Supremacy album for the clean vocals and for the rap. It's obviously uh, a nod to Anthony Kiedis, maybe with a shirt on. I don't know, but like this, <laughs> a, I thought this was a really interesting track. I thought there was a lot going on here, um, and and you know, for a band that really touches it all, there's almost a touch of doom metal on this track. Yeah, I got like Coheed and Cambria vibes on, on this one. Um, I love yeah. the the orchestration that is used kind of as the – it's almost like the um, the spine of the song. It's what kind of keeps everything – holds everything together. Really, really interesting. Definitely has kind of like a proggy kind of vibe to it. Um, you know, I'm sure we're going to mention Pain of Salvation a, a <laughs> bit later on, but there's kind of a, a vibe of that in here. Um you could definitely tell that this band uh, inspired a lot of future bands in, in ways um, because they just melded a lot of different uh, styles into one. Um, but um, this is a cool song. I, I can I can understand why you would uh, 
um, think that I would pick this as my song of the week because I think it was probably in contention. But that just those keyboards that kind of lay the path for this whole song are so haunting. It's really well done. And again, it's another reason why the keyboards play such an important uh, part in this album. Yeah. Well said. Um, And then it brings us to, I guess what we'll say is the sixth track. Yeah. Listen, before we do that, I want to, I want to ask you, um, I want to talk about edge of the world here because. um, Okay. In an interesting note, so this was the sixth track on the cassette version of the album, but it wasn't on the vinyl version. Um, so when so I kind of reordered my album for this song to play next, and I kind of like having it in this spot instead of it being the last track, because I think on the CD edition, it's the last song after uh, it has War Pigs, and, and then this is the, the final song as kind of like bonus tracks. But I feel like it kind of has a – this was a good spot for a song like this right in the dead center of the album. And this is the song I wanted to talk to you that reminded me of something we talked about. This is the um, this is the prequel to um, the lo- love, Slow Love Slow by Nightwish yeah. that we talked about last week. How funny is that? You yeah. can just picture Mike Patton sitting on a stool. You know, like it's such a – like. This is like a really, I think, ballsy song for a band like this to do a song like this, this just bluesy kind of like, you know, 20s jazz bar <laughs> kind yeah, of song. Yeah, but it, yeah. it made me think of uh, Slow Love Slow, what we talked about last week with Nightwish. Um, this is a cool song. Like, and I, like, I feel like if I was around that time, I would have went out of my way to buy the cassette version just to have the song... Uh, an extra an extra track it was always fascinating to me that how how few how little space vinyl records actually had on them it's i i don't think that we do it justice by having it the end after war pigs i think that they should have kept it in its original intended spot and then if you want to have war pigs as a bonus track at the end i can totally get on board with that but it gets lost after that or or at, at the very least flip the two and make it the track that precedes war pigs as the bonus track, just because I don't think it's particularly well-placed and buried at the end of the album. But yeah, your, your points are, are well taken. This is, um, this is a trippy little track and I, I, I do like it. I, I wish I would have listened to it more because I, I think I focused more on the album proper, but I agree with everything you said. Yeah. I, I think, and also like if you're listening to it as a full album and not like a side, a side B situation, I think that it's a great, palette cleanser for the second half of the album it's just kind of uh i don't know i think it just makes for a good like reset yeah yeah just kind of chill out you know like smoke a doobie and then get ready for the rest of the album (laughs) well get ready for what can only be described as like the real epic no pun intended track on this thing eight minutes and 13 seconds with the real thing you said it was going to be my song of the week you happen to be right, but I, I want to preface this by saying I gave you a little hint, and I, I said to you, I listened to this track this week, and it reminded me of something so much that I was almost depressed because you, I love Pain of Salvation. I think those first four Pain of Salvation albums are gold, and one of my absolute favorite songs is Beyond the Pale, the last track on Remini Lane, which almost sounds verbatim 
about 30 seconds of this song from about the six minute mark on. But it's being that this was first, I had to make it my song of the week. And this is a really interesting thing for a number of reasons. And we'll, we'll listen to it in a second. But number one, I've heard this track before. I don't know when, I don't know where. It was on Remedy Lane. (laughs) Yeah, well, there you go. Maybe that's why. But I had heard this this actual track, and I don't know if I heard it on the radio because I can't imagine that they would have played this on the radio, but I was familiar with this track. I just didn't know it nearly as well as the other stuff. Um, but this thing is, this thing is great. Let's, let's take a listen and I'll, I'll say a few more words about it. I may, I may have to have you, uh, decide which minute we use because it's a, it's a meaty song, but uh, there's a lot going on here. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll have a post-production meeting and you'll choose which minute we're about to hear. So, uh, here it is the real thing. Justin's song of the week. So check this out. Not only do I love the atmospheric keyboards and obviously this really interesting percussion sound that they have going on, but they th- this track to me is almost a precursor to a lot of the metal that we're hearing today. And I don't just mean Pain of Salvation, but there are bits and pieces of a lot of different things that you can hear in today's metal world on this track. Um not only does does Patton do the rap vocals and the cleans, but there's a touch of harsh vocals in here as well. Like in spots, you can actually pick up like melodic death metal vocals or, or something like that, which is phenomenal. And then obviously like the fact that Pain of Salvation, you know, clearly, clearly was influenced by this track. There was a lot going on here and it b- between the modern metal and the proggy, the progginess of it, it was enough for me to uh, just sink my teeth into. And again, somewhere back in the recesses of my head. I knew this song and I liked it back when I first heard it, whenever I first heard it. So uh, definitely my song of the week. I'm curious if it resonated with you just as much as it did with me. What would you call like the, the lyric part where it's almost like, it's almost like talk, talking lyrics, like talking vocals. Yeah. Yeah. But like kind of in a lot, like a, not really yelling, but like in a kind of like a staccato kind of like in your face kind of way. And that really reminds me of Pain of Salvation. I feel like they definitely borrowed oh, yeah. that style. Um, I thought I was like, even before you mentioned it to me, like I was like, this song is, is meaty. Like it's really, um, really proggy, like really, um, I think ahead of its time in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, just, yes. I, I liked it a lot. I mean, it, was probably one of my favorite songs that um on the album um it just was really and again it has those um that that um over encompassing keyboard kind of 
thing that, that goes. And again, it just changes the whole dynamic of the song in a good way because it, it almost gives it this extra level of spookiness and eeriness that I, that I love um, that like it works on falling to pieces as like a kind of an upbeat fun kind of thing. And in the same way on a song like this, it's like creepy and, and, and makes me think of ghost houses and super Mario mm. world. Um, <laughs> really cool song. Um, uh, definitely a, a cool choice for song of the week. It, it's uh, it's perfect because now we can use the two, uh, the two more famous songs as bumpers on this episode and then yes, get yes. a little bit of taste of everything. Um, but uh, yeah, this is, this is a really cool song and, and definitely hear a lot of, uh, a lot of future prog metal bands had to have gotten influence, not just from this band, not just from this album, but from this song in particular. No, no doubt about it. And to be honest, at this point, we get for at least for me, it's almost a bit of a letdown the next two tracks because I just don't love them as much as some of the other stuff on the album. Uh, we start with Underwater Love, which is this quirky little number that, quite frankly, I think that if it had a bigger chorus, I think that it would have gotten more airplay because it was not one of the singles. And I think it just lacked the hooks on that chorus that they kind of needed for, for radio play. Um, and the extended verses that they use, the, the verses are kind of like these extended uh, numbers that they you're almost longing for for a better chorus here uh not quite as uh epic as i would have liked well placed on the back end i don't think this would have served well you know coming after a song like epic um but i did love the bass solo i thought that that was a real highlight i, I just think that for my money it was probably my least favorite track on the album uh, how did it fare for you I liked it. I thought it was a good choice to follow the real thing because it's like just this eight minute kind of like dark, darker kind of song. And so now we're kind of back more to that like upbeat, poppy, funky kind of vibe. I got like in excess vibes from this song. Mm. It totally reminded me of like the, the peak eighties in excess sound. Um, I always wondered what that band would have been like had uh, had they stuck around longer, or had the singer not killed himself um, during an autoerotic asphyxiation accident. Um, hate it when that happens. Um, you learn something on the metal exchange yeah. every time. You oh, there in. you go. Um, but uh, that was a band that I, you know, I would love to go back and listen to to do one of their albums, um, just because I thought they were such a a big part of the eighties, like pop rock scene. And then, you know, just kind of disappeared. And now you know why. Um, but uh, I get like that kind of vibe. Cause they had a lot of those kind of like um, really uh, keyboard slash like synth driven um, just kind of orchestrations that, that kind of, and they had songs that were kind of funky too. Uh, not quite, to the uh, to the extent of a Faith No More or Red Hot Chili Peppers, but um, always a band that I held in really high regard. I think I recently grabbed one of their like greatest hits albums, and I was like really surprised at how many songs I actually remembered that from, mm. because they had so many singles in the eighties and so many. They were definitely a big music video band too. Um, so little sidebar there, but that's kind of what this song reminded me of. I think I liked it a bit more than you. It wasn't my I wouldn't say it was my least favorite song on the album. I agree with you. It kind of probably could have used a more like um, hooky kind of chorus, um, but uh, it, definitely a real. If you're if you like the the upbeat funkiness of this band, this is definitely a song 
um, you would enjoy. I just think falling to pieces was a better, a better version of this kind of style. Uh, that that makes perfect sense. I will say that the morning after the eighth track is a step up. I, again, not my favorite track by any means, but a good song. I love the riff. This is kind of your mid-paced rocker. Uh, another song that I think probably would have been, um, you know, well placed on the radio in many regards for for uh, you know a more eclectic style. But again, not not chosen as a, a, a secker uh, a single. What, what I liked about this is that everyone's technical chops were on full display. And I felt like for a band where every song seemed to have little tidbits of either a really awesome bass solo or atmospheric keyboard effects, I felt like it came together quite well on this song, even though it's not my favorite by any means. Um, a good song and a real precursor to the last track, which I have some really strong thoughts on. But before we get to Woodpecker on Mars, talk to me about the morning after. Did you did you like this as well? Yeah, um, it, it's weird because like I didn't really think about it because of the way that the the CD was constructed. But on the vinyl record, this would have been the last non instrumental song on the album. Yeah. It's kind of a weird choice. Again, like I going full circle, I think Epic would have been the better choice to end the album to have this and then Woodpecker from Mars and then finish it off. With epic, um, you know, I, I, it's just a a regular guy's point of view about it, but that's just I feel like it's kind of a weird way to end the album. I feel like tacking um, War Pigs to the end of it actually kind of makes it a little bit more of a, a kind of a, a better way to go out, or a little less like kind of a little less like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Anticlimactic, I guess. Um, I gotta be honest with you. I completely disagree. I love Woodpecker from Mars. I, I almost made this my song of the week, but I thought it was an injustice to Patton, who does such a great job on this disc. Um, this it, You talked about the symphonic elements. This kicks off with a phenomenal symphonic intro, and it kind of puts the listener on edge as it begins to pick up speed because you have no idea where this thing is going. And what's interesting about it is there are parts of this song that are the fastest and most speed metal songs on the album, and there's parts of it which are slow and plodding and in many ways almost like a precursor to modern modern doom metal. I loved how they were able to kind of go back and forth. And I guess it's not terribly surprising, but there was a Greek prog metal band around the 2000, 2002, 2005 called Wastefall. And these guys were absolute disciples of Pain of Salvation. And if you listen to their kind of their best album, which was called Soul Rain 21, it was basically like listening to Pain of Salvation, um, but from Greece. And it was clear that not only was Pain of Salvation an influence, but this particular song as well. And it was just kind of interesting how they have this atmospheric, dark sound and then the album would, in theory, stop if you don't have these bonus tracks. I liked it. And I thought that they kind of zigged when you expected them to zag. And I I, I, um, I can understand why it's a bit jarring, no question. But I actually liked it. And I thought it was a cool way to end the album. Uh, funny story. Um, one of the years that Pain of Salvation played in the loft uh, at, on one of the earlier days of Prog Power, um, we had uh, offered... I had my car there because I'd driven down. And so I offered um, Milton, the promoter, to uh, go to Publix and pick up some grocery items or whatever. And Caleb still jokes to this day that, like, we went and got um, we got 
yogurt for Daniel Gil- Daniel Gildenlow. And so I guess <laughs> if we were shopping for Wastefall, we would have been getting Greek yogurt. So. <laughs> that's, that's Sorry, like that, that was a, that was a long way to get to a punchline, but uh, I, I, I like it. Couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. Um, um, this is yeah, this is a really cool song, and I, it reminds me of like a like a Steve Vai or Joe Satriani song, but where all the instruments are being focused on, not just the guitar. It's just kind of nice. like this, this wild ride. Um, I just, it just, to me, it just makes, to me, the having a, a five and like a almost six minute instrumental as the last song on an album is just kind of weird. I, I feel like, um, I, th- I feel like it would have been better off like uh, with, again, I agree to disagree. I, I think Epic would have been, the right last song on here, but I agree with you that this is a very awesome song. I just think it's um, oddly placed, I guess. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I not to pat myself on the back. I am not doing that, but I, I, w- I was very happy that I selected the album because I would have never listened to it. If I, if I, if I hadn't kind of forced myself to do a deep dive here, I'm curious on a scale of one to 10. Do you um, want to talk what- about war pigs or. Oh, I, I mean, I, I, we alluded to it earlier. That's the only reason I, I kind of glossed over it. A really cool cover of a classic metal song. And obviously, you mentioned the Ozzy connection. I guess it makes sense. I just thought it was well done, and I'm I'm happy that I got to hear it. I thought it was a good cover. Yeah, this is so this has always been one of my favorite Black Sabbath songs. So it's always fun hearing covers. There, I, there's a really, really cool cover of, um, I can't remember if it's, I think it's actually all, it's the Foo Fighters and. Zach Brown or Zach Brown band with Dave Grohl, some sort of combo of huh. that. And, but Dave Grohl and Zach Brown do the vocals and it's one of my favorite versions, but uh, this is really cool just because Mike Patton has such unique vocals that it's kind of cool. It's almost hearing like a, like a more, I don't know. Cause he kind of has like that nasally kind of sound that Ozzy has, but it, it's, it, it's, um, Maybe a little like a higher octave. I don't know. It, it, yeah. But it's it's cool and instrumentally, like they do a really good job because this is a pretty technical song, uh, especially like in the solo portions of it, and it, it's a long song too. Um, but I just thought it was really well done. Um, so I, I didn't want to. I didn't want to pass by without no, mentioning. I, I, I'm, I'm I'm glad you. I'm glad you kind of brought it back. Uh, on a scale of one to ten, what are you giving this? I, I I it sounds to me like you really enjoyed it, which I'm 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 happy about. Yeah, I, I, I this is one again one of those things where I love um, listening to something that I just didn't know, like knew knew a little bit and then learned a lot. Um, I'm I'm gonna give this a uh, oh man, I'm having a hard time with this one. I'm gonna go give it an eight point one two five, somewhere in between an eight and an eight point two five. I just thought it was really really solid and enjoyable. Um, it's not like my favorite genre of music in the world, but I, I, they do everything so well. There's no bad songs. Um, it was it's definitely definitely better than I thought it would be overall, and uh, I'm glad. I'm really glad that uh, I'm really glad you went to Five Guys that day. <laughs> I, I liked it too. I, I'm going to give it an eight. Um, it, it was so good and so enjoyable that I actually need to check out more of their stuff because I I think that. Um, it opened up Pandora's box in a number of ways. I would have never expected me to give it that kind of a score, but I just enjoyed it and I played the hell out of it this week. And it was uh, it was it was all good. So I'm, I'm I'm glad we got to listen to it. It was something a little bit different, a little bit offbeat, but.
but still grounded in the same kind of stuff that we talk about most weeks on the podcast. So I thought it was a nice fit. Yeah, I think someone had mentioned that Angel Dust was also a very good album, which was the follow-up to this one. came out uh, three years later. Um, so that might be one to look at. Um, I'm, I'm just seeing now there's another um, another Metallica t- uh, connection. Um, so it says here that... Um, There's a band called so there was a band called Agents of Misfortune that Cliff Burton was a uh, part of that band and that was also um the uh, band that Jim Martin was a part of um oh, wow. and he you know uh he was the one who wrote Surprise Your Dead so there's um a kind of a connection there it's just just very interesting and, and probably both bands being from California probably had a little bit of something to do with it is that having that kind of proximity, but um, yeah, Kevin this was, Bacon when you have faith no more. Yeah. I feel like this was really, um, I think it really fit our, our style of, of, of what we cover really quite well. I don't think it's that much of a, an outlier at all. No, I, I agree with you. I think that we've done other episodes, which are more of an outlier, which are interesting in their own right, but this was kind of just a pivot from, from some of the standard stuff that we do. Uh, but you know what? I'm, I'm, ha- I'm happy we did it. I, we can certainly talk about maybe doing, um, you know, Angel Dust or, or something else in the future because, you know, it was, it was definitely a good listen. Um, and as I kind of mentioned earlier, I feel like everyone is ra- ramping up their, um, their, their, their albums and their tours and their singles. So kind of a lot, a lot of little news tidbits that I thought were, uh, definitely worth mentioning. Uh, Jag Panzer, the U.S. heavy metal band that's been doing it seemingly forever, is going to release their 12th full-length album called The Hollowed. I'm actually surprised they've only released 11 albums <laughs> before this. I would have yeah, guessed at I least like 20 by now. Forever. Um, they're, always, they're one of those bands where I never love them, but I do kind of like what I hear, and I'll definitely be listening to the album, and I'm sure it'll be a 7.25 just like every other album but it's like i i'm kind of curious to hear it so that's not that's number one number two queensreich has announced a uh u.s headlining tour on the heels of their most recent album digital alliance it's uh they starting orlando in orlando on march the third and then going way back down to florida on april the 16th i grabbed tickets for their long island show on april the 8th i'm looking forward to that they are always a good a good live band. So that should be fun. Awesome. Yeah. And then uh, other, other tour, news, uh, tour news, Skid Row and Buck Cherry going out on tour in March, um, doing a, a U.S. run. And uh, another band that we talked about in the archives, Overkill. You want to talk about a band with a lot of albums. They are coming out with their 20th. That's right. 2-0 released. And it's called Scorched. Uh, date to be determined. 20 albums for overkill it's incredible yeah who was it um uh who requested the the overkill album that that we did um changed changed how i felt about overkill i always we had a number of requests for that band ironically enough but i think it was chris that really was pushing for us to talk about that yeah i um it was just a band i always kind of uh cast aside and that album kind of made me look at them in, in a different light. So uh, maybe I'll have to give their new album a, a listen when it comes out. No no question. Um, and so that's uh, just a 
taste of some of the news from this week. It's going to be an interesting week. We'll talk about streets next week. And then uh, we've got some fun stuff planned for uh, the new year as well. Oddly enough, I'm I'm looking through um, some of my uh, news, my metal news pages um, um, on Twitter. And of all the things, um, what what did you say the name of of, um, Mike Patton's other band was called? Mr. Bungle. Uh, Apparently... Let's see. Today's so two nights ago, the great and powerful Mr. Bungle returned to the stage at Chile's Teatro Coliseo after a lengthy hiatus kept them from melting people's faces off. Wow! Um, so talk about uh, timing. Um, originally performed on Halloween 2020, the concert features the 14-song set that Mr. Bungle played at the Eureka Main Library in Eureka. California, as well as a comedy set by the acerbic Neil Hamburger and special guest appearances by It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia's Glenn Howerton and more. Um, so, do you do you have any idea who's in this band? Because if this is this is this is wild. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for this. Mike Patton, Dave Lombardo from Slayer, Scott Ian from Anthrax. I mean, this is like an all star group of, of of musicians that are that are in this band. It's kind of crazy. I I. I truly had no idea. Uh, nor did I. Um, yeah. But, but, I'm that, but then for that to pop up just a, a, a yesterday on Wild. Um, th- th- so Amana Marth has a new music video for a song called Odin Owns You All. And I can't think of a band that is more popular that I don't know a goddamn thing about. Um, I've... Other than Iron Maiden shirts, Amon Amarth shirts are probably the most common metal shirt that you will see anywhere. Um, you you can be at a supermarket in North Dakota, and somehow <laughs> there'll be a guy in an Amon Amarth shirt. Um, I do not know one song from this band. I do not know how they have just passed me by for so long, but um, I know nothing of this band. We should probably do an album by them at some point, because I'm so derelict in my knowledge of this band it for a band that has that many random t-shirts i just i i don't know jack shit it sounds to me like you just picked your you, you just inadvertently picked an album for january at some point i gotta be honest with you i it may be request week at the metal exchange and i may be the one requesting it on your behalf um but it's it's i i i am familiar with the band I am not familiar with albums or anything like that, but I know what the, I know what they sound like. So I'm one one small step ahead of you. Another band uh, going out on tour. Um, Camelot announced a March April 2023 European tour. Um, you have to figure some amazing backup bands. By the way, these support acts are phenomenal. Did you see who was doing the support on that tour? Uh, d- d- uh, I'm looking at it now. Um, if this these ads would go away, um, looks like uh, Elaine. Do, I, I never know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I say Elaine. Yeah, um, th- I think they're really underrated. And um, they are. League of Distortion, who I'm not familiar with. And uh, am I missing somebody else? Or no? I well, the thing for me was like um, when I saw Elaine on that bill, I got very excited. I think they are just absolutely wildly underrated but you are missing the other band on that bill from mirath so it's mirath oh. and elaine I, I just thought it was a really cool it story. didn't say blabbermouth didn't have that um so uh let's blame them um 
I, I presume that they're headlining Prague Power in September. I presume there'll be a U.S. tour around that time. Um, I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah, but um, the lead singer from uh, Elaine, who um, I'm going to just make sure I don't screw up her name. Um, but uh, if if Camelot needs um, you know some female vocals during their set, I think that she she would do a hell of a hell of a job. So her name is so Elaine is actually a short shortened version of her full name, Madeline uh, Madeline Lillystam, um, who. She's like, I don't know if you follow her on social media, but like she has a Twitch channel and plays video games on Twitch and, um, she's like super cool. Um, so I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very cool. Uh, very cool lady. Um, I I would love, I don't know if, have they ever played in the U S I'd love to, I'd love to see that I'm aware of, not that I'm aware of. Um, yeah, and then just, you know, as we go, uh, Led Zeppelin is celebrating the 15th anniversary of the O2 Arena reunion concert. So, um, that's you never know what, you never know what tomorrow is going to bring. They got to cut the bullshit and do one last tour. I, I mean, I know that like, it, it, you know, maybe yesteryear passed them by, but the, the who are still doing their thing. Yeah. Come the, on, guys. the whole, so the whole thing about like not wanting to, um, not wanting to play without, what was the drummer's name? Uh, John Bonham. Yeah, John Bonham. I get it. Like you're being loyal. But they did but, it. But they did it right. Like the show that you just they got Dave, Dave Grohl will do this in a heartbeat. Oh, <laughs> just give Dave, Dave Grohl a call. Grohl, Mike Portnoy. I mean, like, there's a million guys that John Bonham's son, and they could charge a thousand dollars a ticket and. It would sell out like people. I'm not suggesting that they do that because then with the Ticketmaster fees, it'll be three thousand dollars a ticket. <laughs> but um, boy, talk about like it'd be like the equivalent of of if like three of the Beatles were still alive and they went on tour with like. There's a joke. I don't know if you ever seen the movie Shallow Hal, but there's a joke where um, uh, what was it? Um, she invites uh, she invites um, Jason Alexander's character to to go to like this this um vip only show of the three remaining beatles with eric clapton filling in for john lennon and uh <laughs> and he would and and he he didn't he declines and just goes i'm not really a clapton guy like <laughs> <laughs> like that would be oh, could, could you imagine if when george like george harrison was uh still alive if it was like george ringo and uh and paul with eric clapton going on oh. tour like they could have charged anything. They could have charged now, now, anything. Now, now we're going in a complete. Now we've we've completely gone off the rails. But I'll tell you a story <laughs> about that. I've seen Paul McCartney live a number of times. Uh, my mom is her number one, his number one fan, and would leave my family in a heartbeat <laughs> for the opportunity to even grace his presence for fifteen minutes. But I digress. At his shows, he talks about um, when the Beatles were doing the club thing. You know, way back in yesteryear, there were always issues in terms of one thing or another. And Eric Clapton used to go watch them play in these clubs. So there is definitely a connection there. And I can totally see him filling in. Um, but at this point, I, I uh, yeah, just, just blank check. I'm sure that they could write, they could just print money for that, for, for that kind of a tour. Um, I want to just kind of bring us a full circle and just mention, um, you know, Faith No More was supposed to go on tour, um, 
and they they canceled it because um Mike Patton was dealing with uh mental health issues and and apparently the the rest of the band was completely supportive of this and so uh you know it's it's that it's just after I feel like after the pandemic like uh, mental health is like probably at like a, an all-time low for certain people and so like I just it, it's it just it made me happy to hear that like the band was being supportive of it and, and kind of letting him do his thing. But, um, shit, I'd go see them live. If they, if oh, they, yeah. <laughs> after this, this experience, I feel like that would be a friggin' blast. Maybe, maybe have them and the chili peppers go on tour together and have the, uh, the, the masters of funk, uh, <laughs> tour. Um, I love it. I, I'll be honest. I would see them too. I thought the album was that good, that it, it would be something I would like to see. And I, I have to think it's even Better live. I can see this music really lending itself uh, to that. But um, let us let us run. It's been we've gone uh, a little long, and that's fantastic. But the reason I say that is I want to go listen to some sabotage because you had mentioned that we're doing streets next week. I know a lot of people are excited about that, and uh, that'll lead us kind of as we get the inch closer to Christmas and our year end list, which is still uh, a work in progress. Yeah, I mean I'm ready to talk about streets right now if you want. I, I, I that album is like forever downloaded into my brain. I know, um, I know, but it's funny because even though I, I know the album so well, I've already listened to it, I think, four or five times, and I still have another week to go, but I just, I, I know it well, and I just want to keep listening to it because it's it's that interesting, but I, I've got some thoughts, but I'll share them with you uh, next week, and, uh, you know, we may have a, and we may be dropping an interview soon as well, so we'll, we'll talk about that when the time is when the time is right. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I, I This has been um, something I look forward to now every year is to have a little chat about sabotage i can't imagine this is going to be one of our shorter episodes because like i you know that's just one of those when it comes to sabotage and halloween like you you uh you and me have no uh shortage of things to yeah, say no shortage of things to say at all i mean uh, sabotage was my my first love in metal and halloween was my second so you never forget your first or your second in this case. <laughs> i like it uh we'll uh, catch you next week enjoy the week bud and i will talk to you soon All right. Take care, buddy.